Welcome to No Clip Epilogue, the last word in a book club for people who don't think that books <laughs> reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we are once again talking about Shadow of the Colossus, which is a game that was developed by Team Eco and Japan Studios, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, just that, mm-hmm. and was released in 2005 on PlayStation 2. Uh, and we played most recently the remake, which was developed by Blue Point Games, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, and was released in 2018 on the PlayStation 4. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. And second, uh, as a by way of a an introduction, this is going to be the first kind of second uh, episode that we're doing in a recurring on occasion series that that we'll be attempting to fit in here and there where we talk about games we talked about a really long time ago and want to update the episode yeah yeah this uh, i i'm thinking of it as the second episode but the first official episode of the epilogue series yeah uh, that we want to do to basically just revisit stuff yeah like from like the first 10 or so episodes or uh episodes where we feel like we didn't really talk about we did a bad job of talking about them basically yeah so we have like a short list of like six or so games that we uh want to do this for yeah and i would open that up even further to say like this can also include games that we just like have evolved over time true true now there's more to talk about and you know we'll see how it goes uh when we get through our initial list so uh bear with us on this discovery process so, third thing, and also <laughs> first on the actual game, uh, I wanted to talk about, just to get it out of the way early, this is not an integral part of the Shadow of the Colossus experience, mm-hmm. um, but you and I just now played the remake of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's an underplayed, not the game, uh-huh. but the the there's a thought prevalent among the public that a game that gets remade is in the way that blue point does and mm-hmm. i say that no having played two of their games so maybe they don't do this all the time mm-hmm. where it's extremely faithful to the original uh i think underplays the importance of visuals in terms of the uh actual identity of a game uh and so we're going to be talking about the game and from the perspective of two people who just played the new, more graphically intensive version, uh, but do consider when you play Shadow of the Colossus that the old version has its own charm to it. And the visual element is is honestly probably one of the things that made this game do as well as it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, even on the PlayStation 2, this looked pretty good, but more importantly, just the design of those colossi... Uh, are huge it's a literally and figuratively yeah uh to how well the game did so i I just wanted to open with that because i think it is important and we're not going to be coming at it from a strictly 2005 era perspective yeah i mean i guess that being said i'm curious now to know what you think of how the remake looks since you brought it up uh that's fair i actually i had a thing about it yeah i mean you can save it for later if you want to talk about something else i got no reason not to talk about it there's no rules (laughs) okay (laughs) 
<laughs> well, then hit me. Uh, here's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this does bleed into some gameplay stuff, so we can talk about that in a second. But I feel like when you play... Because I've played this game... I've now played, I believe, three times total. And I've played it on every available platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not. I've played it on the PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. Then the updated remake that I played on a PlayStation yeah, 4. Yeah, the remaster. That was a remaster. And then Blue Points remake just this most recent time. And I gotta say, there's an element that I do want to talk about of the game uh, where you walk around and find where the Colossi are. Mm-hmm. And the first time you play the game, your first playthrough of Shadow of the Colossus is a very precious thing. Yeah, it's uh, one of those games. It is one of those games. And the it it feels really intuitive, to I guess, to finding them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a difficult task, but there isn't a lot in the overworld. It's a very uh, empty place. And that's an intentional choice that was made for this game. Uh, but it's one of the only things, honestly, that diminishes in value very quickly when you replay the game. Because the game just keeps being the same empty world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my biggest praise for the remake is I think the that Bluepoint has made the Forbidden Lands look gorgeous. Uh, and very visually captivating, which updates that feeling of wandering around uh, massively. It mm-hmm. makes me feel excited to go exploring again. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I know when, like, my uh, opinion on Blue Point, having played Demon Souls and um, Shadow of the Colossus remake. Uh, is that I think they're really good at updating the in-game visuals. Yeah. But I think they're much spottier at, like, updating the cinematics. Because, like, I I remember booting this game up for the first time and feeling like a nitpicky asshole in- immediately. Because, <laughs> like, there's the opening cinematic of, like, the hawk flying over the valley. And in the remake, it's, like, very stylized. It's, like, a purple sky. And I remember being, like... This doesn't look right. Right. Like, immediately. Like, the first thing that they show. And then I remember seeing Wander's face and feeling like, I don't like the way they interpreted what his face is supposed to look like. (laughs) And I was just like, two things right up front. I was like, I don't like what they did with this. But then, like, you get into the game and it all looks great. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what... If that's just a coincidence, if it's just my sensibilities... But, like, I remember thinking that about some of the Demon Souls, like, cinematics as well. Like, they looked off in some way, but uh, they get it right where it counts, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with it. this. These are two games, uh, Demon Souls and, and Shadow of the Colossus, mm-hmm. where the cinematics are not, a ma- are not the main way that the story is Yeah, there's is actually very few in both games yeah very few cutscenes and where they are uh, shadows cutscenes are more important than demon souls are in my opinion yeah uh but still you get a lot of the storytelling from outside of that and outside of being directly told stuff uh it's very much a tone piece and will it'll benefit you to get most of that from elsewhere so the cutscenes being weird which i agree with I 
is not as big of a deal as it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will note that those are also the two blue point games that I've played. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a shared aesthetic in a way that is odd to me. Not obviously in the design because they're updating things that have already been designed that were separated by, you know, four years in this case. Mm-hmm. But there's like this dark sort of saturated look that Bluepoint applies when they update the graphics, mm-hmm. which makes everything feel very full. Which is great in like lush environments and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but it has like a almost like a modern warfarey kind of <laughs> effect to me, where it feels more manufactured than the originals do. Yeah, but also at the same time, I feel like there's got to be some kind of through line from Shadow of the Colossus Blue Point remake to Elden Ring because <laughs> playing the Blue Point version of this game makes me think of Elden Ring mm. all the time. Like I feel like they took a lot of the lands between uh sort of geography and topography mm-hmm. from <laughs> this game and not Shadow of the Colossus 2005. Yeah. But Shadow Class is 2018. Like, it, they feel weirdly similar, which is sort of a positive thing for Shadow Classes because, like, this looks, this they updated the game to make it look like a current generation game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just looks real good. Yeah, I think there is kind of like a homogeneity, uh, if that's the correct word, uh, to more modern games. Like, the more realistic things get to looking, you know, the more. Uh, a rocky cliff is going to look like this other rocky cliff in this other game. Yeah. And like lighting techniques, like, uh, yeah, it feels like the technology is moving to a point where like, there are just like known optimal ways to do certain things that leads to like a sameness to certain aspects of like all triple a games. Yeah. Like, the stuff that the designers aren't sitting around a- agonizing over. Yeah. Your characters will look different because they're important to your game. But a rock isn't. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, like, on the PS2 where everyone had to make their own engine. Yeah. Now uh, everyone just uses Unreal and <laughs> Unity. Exactly. The two engines. Yes. The two genders. <laughs> <laughs> Unity and Unreal. Man, that joke wouldn't even have worked uh, when we released the first Shadow of the Colossus episode. <laughs> uh, what a tragedy that culture has gone the way it has. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to push past the graphics part and mm-hmm. talk more about something else? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I guess we could talk about like the lands between themselves because we already kind of have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Forbidden Lands. The Forbidden. Oh Jesus Christ! I'm gonna do the same thing with Torrent Nagra. Don't it, worry. <laughs> I hope that it's just that you brought up Elden Ring and that's why I did that. Probably. Uh, yeah. And that I don't just have brain rot too. They do the Scarlet but, uh, Rot. Yeah. I, yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the the Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Um, because like. Playing the remake, um, I, you know, like some things about the uh, the game fa- play can feel a little clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like it feels a little bit like a PS2 games at times. And, but I think the world design and uh, is one of those things that doesn't feel old. Um, like, I feel like it's so smartly laid out 
and I and how like it obscures where all the different colossi's layers are. And it's like you'll get your little prompt from Dorman and you'll go out and you'll shine the sword and you'll be like, I've already been over there. Like, how can there be another whole Colossus in that direction? Right. And you go and sure enough, there's like a path you didn't notice before. You know, it's like I think it's so like smartly designed to make it feel a lot bigger than it really is. And um it has like an impressive amount of variety and like blends from like a um, like a rolling hills to a desert in a way that like feels natural uh, in a way that's just like super impressive for a PS2 game that they made like an open world is like natural feeling as it is. Yeah. They managed to make something that both has a uh, variety in its locations and also a sense of whole to it like a cohesiveness yeah like it never feels like oh i'm leaving this zone to go to this other zone you're just riding and the grass starts to get thinner and it starts to become a desert and that's sort of how you mark the transition and you've got that big uh fucking bridge that is like the very iconic piece of architecture uh in the game that always is sort of like, it's not always in your eye line because of the fact that it, the world's kind of split in two. Mm-hmm. But, uh, th- when you're going that way, it's always a, a marker of just sort of like, how far am I from the center of the map? And like, what parts are here and there? I, I found it amazing, honestly, how easily I was able to navigate two places in this game just with essentially a compass like you mm-hmm. hold the sword up and that's the only navigational aid you have aside from the map uh, which is more useful i guess for finding specific paths than it is for actually knowing where you're going yeah um but it is it's very impressive i i don't honestly thinking about it i i, I just have to assume it's because the map isn't very busy you don't yeah. feel like you're getting lost with all this other stuff you're just going to where you're headed. Uh, and that's something I really appreciate about this game. It is not, it is an open world game when that term hadn't reached household <laughs> word status. Yeah. And it it's doing things that you wouldn't do in a current open world game. I didn't feel like I was being distracted. I felt like I had an objective and I was going to it at all times. Yeah, it manages to still have, like, level design Mm -hmm. that, like, guides you to where you're supposed to go. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, um... Oh, God, I lost the thought. Oh, no. (laughs) We want to talk about aggro. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I I don't think it was very important, so we can just transition to talking about aggro. Okay. Uh, So, on the original episode that we did on this... Yes. Uh, I complained a lot about aggro and how aggro <laughs> controls, um, and I still stand by most of it. Um, it it feel, felt like much less of a deal this time. Uh, on my first playthrough, it felt like the biggest blemish uh, on the game because um, I felt like I like I love it on paper. Like I get why it's a thing people like about the game and talk <laughs> about um, the idea that you don't control the horse directly. You control your character wander controlling the horse. Uh, And that's an interesting thing to do with the medium of video games. Like I get it, but it didn't feel like 
it, the amount of like that it was like cumbersome to me didn't feel like it was at all worth it. Yeah. Um, I never felt like I adapted to how it controlled and like got used to it. I felt like I was fighting them the whole game. In <laughs> uh, this playthrough, I I got to a point where I was pretty much cool with it, but it never gets to a hundred percent like an invisible part of the experience for me. Like I'm always fighting it a little bit. Right. But do and, you feel like you're fighting it as a player fighting a video game horse, or do you feel like you're fighting it like a person would fight against a horse that has its own free will? I, obviously <laughs> it's hyperbole. Yeah. But it almost feels like if I in real life learned how to ride a horse, it would be easier than <laughs> controlling aggro in the video game uh that is funny and yeah. a little bit hyperbolic also i don't know it <laughs> depends on the horse yeah i I, I know nothing about horseback riding and am in fact very afraid of horses yeah so. did we talk about that on the episode or is that on a different episode uh, i don't know okay. i'm sure it's come up yeah at some point the cliff's notes is a horse <laughs> is a big muscle and it could kill you at any moment yeah effortlessly effortlessly <laughs> uh yeah, so I, I so I don't remember exactly what I said on the original episode, mm-hmm. but if it's what I think I said, then I think I stand by it, which is I think that aggro for transportation is amazing, uh, and I like the fact that he sort of steers away from hazards and goes his own path, uh, but I do feel like he's a big pain in the ass when you're trying to use him in uh, any sort of high stakes scenario uh, which only comes up a few times thankfully uh, but the thing I want to say about aggro I stand by that that's my current mm-hmm. aggro thought I don't really disagree with that I don't think yeah definitely terrible I can't I cannot say I disagree that using aggro in a boss fight is a fun good time yeah and there's that's other, incorrect there's other little things too if there's like some rocks around sometimes it'll just stop yeah i mean yeah, yeah like i don't know there's just Not enough over that. there's enough little annoyances that like get in the way but anyway continue yeah no that's fine uh my my aggro thought is this is the first time that i've played shadow of the colossus since playing the last guardian mm. and I was acutely aware of how the team that made The Last Guardian made Shadow of the Colossus this time. Like, playing The Last Guardian looking back on Shadow retrospectively is very different than playing Shadow looking back on Guardian retrospectively. Mm-hmm. Because, like, d- there's a theme, and I'm this is me kind of speculating, and but I bet somebody has posited it on the internet before. Mm-hmm. But there's this theme of Wander as a person that is sort of standing in for the player, uh, attempting to control nature. Uh, he wants to ride his horse in a way that doesn't suck ass. <laughs> and the horse says, fuck you. I'm a horse. I do that thing. He needs to get the Colossus to step on the fucking platform to make a ramp so he can jump up and do the thing to so he can subject his will onto mm-hmm. the Colossus. Well, he's trying to bring Mono back to life. Yeah. yeah, that is the the finale of the of the whole uh thought is like yeah, he even tries to go against the nature of life and death itself, which to me 
is enough to justify aggro being pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's no, it's definitely a good point. Uh, there's like a lot of interesting thematic stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, even like he goes to the Forbidden Lands in the first place seems like kind of an act against nature in and of itself. Right. Um, you kill the lizards to eat them to get, you know, like you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so no, I do think that's a good point. I just personally don't feel like it's worth it. Uh, but in, I've also heard like a theory that like aggro isn't actually Wander's horse, like much like he stole the sword. He like stole the horse too. And that's like why it doesn't listen to him exactly. Cause it's like, he not actually it's his master, which is a theory I also like. Um, and I, I, I think this kind of gets at, like, one of the things that, like, why this is one of my favorite games is, like, a detail like the horse you ride to get around <laughs> can warrant this much speculation. True, yeah. Uh, like, I feel like just everything about this game, it has, like, an indescribable quality like that, but I'll veer away from that a little bit because I feel like it's getting into Final Thoughts territory, but just wanted to mention that. Possibly. We can segue into something a little bit different. Where yeah. Th- this game has, uh, its narrative structure is multifaceted. I don't, I don't think I'm the first person to say that. Mm-hmm. Breaking news. Shadow of the Colossus <laughs> is kind of deep. Yeah, uh, it's nuanced. It is nuanced. You, the player, get very little concrete information about anything, and therefore, the nature of what you're doing is a mystery. Uh, who you are, who Mono is, who any of these other things are, uh, is not told to you. Uh, and really, like, <laughs> even if the outcome is what Wander wanted, is even questionable in a lot of ways. So beginning, middle, and end... Not any clear answers. Mm-hmm. The one thing that the game does bring up, which is one of the reasons that I love this game personally, is, and I, I think I said this in relation to Kojima's storytelling in Death Stranding before, um, but I want to, I think, credit this original quote to my older brother when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, referred to, what was it? It was Dawn of the Dead. He referred to Dawn of the Dead as baby's first subtext. And I I find that amusing and agree with it as, as far as Dawn of the Dead goes. But I feel like the way it applies to uh, Shadow of the Colossus is that what, once you have an ounce of media literacy, and I'm, I'm cribbing this because that is what we did not have when we talked about this game before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it is... It's very obvious that the game is throwing a million red flags in your face about the fact that what you're doing is not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's interesting in and of itself. Yeah, but the, the ambiguity, too, that like the shaman don't seem like they're good either. Exactly. Everything is complicated. Yeah. That's what's really good about it. Like I think there was a debate in 2005... Uh, that people were like, oh, are we the, like, we're, ki- is killing the Colossus a good thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and very evidently, no, it is not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's not necessarily worse or better than what everyone else was doing. Uh, but it is not a net positive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes it interesting 
both to analyze that kind of stuff and also the fact that the game doesn't give you choices. This isn't a choice-based game. It is a narrative game. And you, as Wander, have to do everything on the way through it. Uh, and I love that about this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the nuance is, like, is great. Like, I, I think that, like, calling it, like, baby's first uh, <laughs> subtext uh, is, like, a good thing to bring up. Because, like, I feel like this game is, like, baby's first uh, media criticism yeah. for, like, if you're talking about video games. Uh, but it's also, like at least for me, did a little bit of that, like, on the gameplay side, too. I think playing this game made me a more curious player. Like, it made me, like, better at video game exploration. Because I think it's the kind of game where, like, even if you're someone who's not prone to doing this kind of stuff, like, I'd be surprised if you if someone played through this and, like, didn't try to leave the temple and go back across the bridge. Right. Or didn't try to climb the outside of the temple. Or, like, didn't try to, like poke and prod at the boundaries of the game it's like it invites you to do it uh in a really like organic way like the game just makes you curious about every part of it in a way that's like very few other games do yeah and i I think that ties into our uh world building discussion a little bit as well and we haven't even talked about Colossus, (laughs) Colossus, <laughs> yeah, uh, just their existence as a whole yet. Um, but it, it is like you get rewarded in a very minor way for doing literal physical exploration, but because all of the boss fights in the game are structured as puzzles, uh, you get rewarded for playing with the AI, something that is seen, at least in this era, as being like that's part of the untouchable veil of games. Like that if you do something and manipulate an AI, you're cheating in some way, Mm -hmm. but it's like the whole purpose of this game. So you end up with the, this invitation to explore, not just the world, but also everything that makes the game a game. Uh, it's it's honestly very cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe the thing that I forgot earlier uh, that may have gotten cut out, I don't know. But uh, I forgot what I was saying mid-sentence earlier. I was like, I think the amount of negative space, like the open space in the game world, highlights all the positive space. So like when a hawk swoops down over your head while you're riding on aggro you think to jump up and try and grab it, right. whereas you wouldn't do that in another game. Like, it stands out to you. Like, everything just feels so, like, intentionally designed in that way that, like, a lot of things feel really intuitive. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the Colossi. Yes. But first, uh, I do want to break this news right now that I have concrete proof. Okay. Uh, of one element of the narrative that we can finally close the book on. Okay. Uh, And that is, uh, I think that the message of Shadow of the Colossus is that Mono got absolutely the shittiest end of the deal uh, out of anyone here. (laughs) Uh, Just to live in isolation and raise a demon baby? Not even just that. She's got no shoes. (laughs) 
She's got a freaky little kid, an injured horse. You know how fucking long it takes a horse to heal? I'm not even a hundred. No, I don't. But I. <laughs> well, I mean, it's got a broken leg, so it's at least six weeks. Yeah, a lot of people will fucking kill a horse with a broken leg. Yeah, well, that's a racehorse. That's true. Well, I don't know. Agro does a bunch of running and jumping and shit. That's racehorse-esque. Uh, yeah, she's really like, she didn't ask to be brought back to life, and she's been maybe she such did. A good, I guess, <laughs> maybe those were her dying words. Like, <laughs> uh, God damn it! Whoever show hears these words, make sure that you bring me back to life if it's at all possible. It's her last will and testament. That was it. She had that written down beforehand. Uh, all right, book is still open. I take it back. Uh, let's fight some bosses yeah um how'd you like it (laughs) um i I don't know i feel like a lot of different ways about the the colossi um they i like that there's like a puzzle element to them um i think at the time like an action adventure game would veer away from stuff like that like a puzzle game was a puzzle game like i think like kind of like genre blending happens more nowadays yeah and like this sort of thing was a little bit more unique at the time um but uh I, yeah like some of them i think it's just inevitable like some of them will end up feeling frustrating to some people and they'll click with others um so like i think there's like an impressive amount of variety um and i think a clever use of uh asset reusing because there's like um the last coloss or the second to last colossi in like the the little coliseum area that yeah. stomps his foot down is there is like the same as the first one mm-hmm. with the clove or the hoof feet and uh there's the the smaller like lion ones yeah these two yeah, they're like basically the same but uh, you don't really even notice that the first time you play the game um Except probably the, the lion, lion ones, ones yeah. but well, you know whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think there are they, they have their hiccups, but like overall, I think there isn't one where I'm like that's fucking bullshit and I hate it. <laughs> uh, the closest one for me is the the turtle that shoots lasers at you that you with the geysers. That's right. my least favorite, I think. Um, but yeah, like I think overall, like incredible technical achievement for the ps2 like it's i don't know overall positive yeah i don't know if you wanted that broad of uh, an opinion (laughs) but that's what you got uh no that's fair i think uh i have two main thoughts uh and now one side thought which is my least favorite colossus is those lion ones Mm. uh because they they are the only time in the game that i wish that wandered controlled at all like a regular video mm. game protagonist. Like, normally, I love that. When you get hit and you fall down and it takes you, like, ten seconds to stand back up, that makes me feel bad for Wander. I'm like, oh, dude, like, that did look like it sucked. Like, I <laughs> totally sympathize and wouldn't get up either in this situation. Uh, but those guys just stun lock you into oblivion. Uh, which is irritating. It could be because I, for I think the first time in my life, played the game on hard mode this mm. time. Uh, so I actually did die like two times. 
Uh, but it is very annoying in those cases. Um, either, But other than that, I think those fights are extremely cool designs. Uh, there's an argument to be made that the fire one is a little unintuitive. Yeah. But, you know, I knew about it. So this time I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found, I think I did find both of those, or at least the fire one to be pretty hard on my first playthrough, but beat it like so fast on this one. Because <laughs> you just need to knock him off the ledge and then you can just kill him. Yep. The one with the pillars is like my third fastest Colossus. Yeah, I in like the in my last playthrough. Yeah, I actually really like that one. Uh, it it stands out as like you have to go through like a little platforming obstacle course to beat the beat the boss, which I think is cool. Yeah, and that is what is cool about it. Most of the other Colossus I do not have. Uh, none of them have as extensive an arena in terms of like what you have to interact with. Mm-hmm. Most of them are like a thing. Sometimes the puzzle is them. Sometimes the puzzle is getting to them. There's a lot of variation on that. Uh, and well, this conversation leads me into what I think is my biggest point about the Colossus. That is new information that I didn't know when we did this first podcast mm-hmm. on this. Uh, evidently, uh, help me with the pronunciation if you happen to know it. Is it Ueda? Oh, yeah. For me too, Ueda. Ueda, okay. So, Ueda's original vision for this game was to have, like, 650,000 Colossi or some shit. 48. 48. Was the initial pitch. Yeah, it's, like, a bunch. And then they narrowed it to 24 Uh and then to 16 for the final game. Yeah. If this game had 48 Colossi in it, it would have not been a good game. I think it would have been insanity, or (laughs) it would have had to have come out today. Yeah, or it would have just been a boss rush. You would have had to have cut out the riding around an open world. Yeah, because like, what do you do at that point? Do you make the world four times larger to accommodate yeah, you just wouldn't have been able to do it on the ps2 like if you could yeah. actually fit 48 colossi in the game that would be all that was in the game <laughs> that'd be the whole game <laughs> yeah uh and so that would have sucked real bad uh and it it, it does it calls into attention because you mentioned like yeah a couple of them the models get a bit repeated um it's still each fight still feels unique but the like that overlap it is just like a a seam something you can tell like this game to me is one of the most flawlessly paced games uh, I've ever played and it, extending that out especially out into fucking <laughs> infinity would it would be extremely diminishing returns uh and I mean, it makes a lot more sense also if the Dorman spirit was split into 16 things than like, oh, you split my body into 48 pieces. <laughs> like, you guys are, they, are fucking sadistic. The shaman went the extra mile to make sure Dorman was never resurrected. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's. I, my whole point, I think, is I think the number of Colossi is, like, very nearly perfect. Uh, I would agree. And I don't know if and that's, like, a little bit of a placebo, because you're able to see that there's 16 from the beginning, so you, like, set your expectations a certain way. But, yeah, like, I think it it starts to get a little bit, like, 
like you're ready to reach the end by the time you get to the last like three you yeah. know like and then you know it, you do the last leg of it like it feels like right before it would have gotten tedious mm-hmm. so yeah I, I also agree it feels like it's spot on yeah and in this game like the actual fights themselves get to have because of the structure of this game like you and we <laughs> i love this episode because we're assuming literally everyone knows all the stuff about shadow oh yeah. i mean that's the podcast yeah Book club style <laughs> you if you didn't do the reading why are you here i guess but most of the time we'll be like well in this game you know you like stab with the sword we're like yeah. fuck it here <laughs> the lion one you know which one i mean uh <laughs> uh it, it, it's it's funny because each fight gets to have its own sort of like three act structure of the finding it, the getting onto it, and then the big battle and the sad ending mm-hmm. uh, every time. And so each of them can even have these smaller emotional arcs, including just you fell off and had to start over. Like it feels like getting over it with Benefati, getting <laughs> yeah. over it with Wonder. Uh, and having to climb back up from the beginning. Um, Getting over it with Dorman, because he offers you the <laughs> little hints. Oh, yeah, he gives you yeah, the lecture every yeah. time that you fall down. Uh, that actually would be incredible. Yeah. Mod that, please. Uh, and so even when I was frustrated in an individual encounter, because they're so quick and because there's so many emotional touchstones from the beginning and the relaxing part where you're just looking for them to the puzzle, the brain engaged part to the mechanics engaged part. Uh, it never, no negative thought really got to like stick and, and get repeated like in a game with a very samey sort of like a combat system, mm-hmm. which is how most games are designed these days. So this game has, these multiple different things that play out in cycles. So they never feel like they're getting too old. I do want to ask about what, in my opinion must be, even though I know it isn't Uh the most controversial Colossus. And that is the 16th Colossus. Oh, malice. Who is a boss fight. Yeah. Like, uh, it feels very different than the rest of the game. He's like, a. it's like, it's a castle siege basically. Yeah. Um, the, I know the first time I played the game, I did not like it. Uh, the amount of, it felt like trial and error to the nth degree. I, I guess because of that, I remembered how to do the whole fight (laughs) and this time it was easy, except for like, I did get blasted a few times remembering you had to jump down a hole at the very (laughs) beginning. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. And I remember that the, there's a part where you're on his hand once you all get all the way up there. You have to shoot him in the shoulder. Yep. And I remember I had to look that up. This time I felt like I used the bow much more liberally. So I think if I played it for the first time now, I probably would have figured that out. But at the time, I did not. Um, but yeah, I, it's hard for me to say because I feel like I felt positively about it this time but all i was really doing this time was executing so i don't know yeah i i think i had a similar experience i i think that my main complaint which is debatably one of the only complaints that i have with the game 
still stands either on a first time or a most recent time playthrough. And that is that it is the only Colossus that feels like it's breaking immersion in a way because of that run up where you are like hiding behind barriers that are like set in a way that lead to a hole that you jump in and Mm -hmm. then use that. Like you don't question it when uh, fucking Marcus Phoenix uses a waist high wall to progress forward into some enemies. Or you don't question it when Mario jumps on the donut platform to get up there. Like, why was that put there? Because it's a, it's their much more video game ass video games. Mm-hmm. And to me, Shadow of the Colossus, while there are some pretty contrived solutions to some of the puzzles, they all feel more natural than Malice's does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that pulled me out of it. But, like, only for a couple minutes. And then I was right back there. Yeah, it, it, it feels like literally like a castle siege where like like the, all of the barricades and things were built there specifically to try to fight it uh-huh uh in a way that like yeah like it does stand out as different than the other and the fact that like like the big <laughs> skirt thing it has around it for you to climb feels like built around it right. more than it's a part of it you know, like all the other colossi have like the scaffolding bits as part of their bodies. Right. So yeah, it, it, it malice does feel more artificial. And I, I, I do wonder if there's like some intention to that. Like, uh, if the ancient people who lived in the forbidden lands, maybe it was like a corpse at one point and they were like building shit around it to like explore it. Yeah. Check it out. See what's going on up top. But you know, yeah. That's just my imagination. Yeah. And I mean, there is a lot of interpretation to be done. Like, it obviously is an intentional choice in this case because it's the only one that has lost the ability to move. All of the other mm-hmm. ones move. He's, like, bolted to the ground. Yeah, he can't walk around. He's just a big torso, essentially. Um, whereas other people are swimming and flying. That's not fair to Malice. <laughs> Dude can't locomote. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there is there are even reasons within the game as to why it would be the way that it is. Uh, it just did take me out of it a little bit. Yeah. You do think, yeah, like, why are all these barricades here? Right. If anybody approached with the intention of building one, they'd get zapped by a laser in five <laughs> seconds, so. Maybe he does sleep. Maybe. Yeah. And you just don't have time. That's like right when Dorman's like, the, their people. Time is short. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess I have a little theory, uh, that, and I've never heard anyone else say this, but like people have talked the crap out of this game. So someone's come up with this before I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. But like, I always thought like, because of the structure of the game, wherever you defeat a Colossi, you wake back up in the temple and there's like a new shadow guy standing over you. Like my theory, like over the course of playing the game was that are all the different colossi created from like the souls of people who have made deals with Dorman in the past? Uh, I don't have any uh, more evidence to back it up. It's just like the fact that like Wander turns into like a demon guy yeah. and becomes Dorman at the end. Uh, I yeah I don't know. He becomes a, a weird little. Uh, 
horned baby at the end, but I don't know. I just something I always thought about um, the first time I played it and this one. Yeah, there's a line of dialogue that Dorman says that's like, you split my body. Mm. And I think he even specifically says into 16 pieces. Right. Uh, but that doesn't preclude that at all from being true. Yeah, you because, can use the soul as like part of a ritual. Yeah, because he takes essentially as like more of his uh little dude man essence snakes swim <laughs> into wander is taking he develops a more ashen pallor mm-hmm. uh <laughs> and so he's like wander is being essentially eaten from the inside out yeah deteriorating yeah and so yeah wander more like deteriorator <laughs> am i right uh <laughs> and uh and so like it could easily be that like dorman over his many millennia of reigning as god of the hole in the sky Uh could have sucked in individual people 16 of them in this case Mm -hmm. uh and then when they ripped them all out of his control they became the colossi essentially the only living things that exist in uh the the forbidden lands yeah uh I feel like there's a lot of very interesting uh, ground to tread when it comes to, like, trying to decipher the story of this game. Oh, yeah. It's, um, like, the, the... There's a kind of, like, uh... The way... It's so engaging, and it, it really has that sense of, like, a bigger picture that you don't get to, like, see all of. Like, uh, there's, like, ruins and stuff in the Forbidden Lands, and all of the Colossi have, like, as I said, like, bits of architecture built into their uh, bodies. So you, you do think about, like, was this, like, a ritualistic culture that, like, built these things specifically to put the pieces of Dorman into? Right. Like, you can, like, yeah, you can just let your imagination run wild with, like, pick a detail off of a list and you can kind of just like think about it like this. Yeah. And like, why are some, they're almost, they almost all have like armor in the sense that they have those like stone structures and stuff on them. But like, why do some of them have specifically swords uh, or weapons of some kind? Whereas others uh, seem more like regular animals. Yeah. there's a lot, like, kind of of weird shit going on. Like, I talked earlier about how it the game gives you a lot of reasons to think that following Dorman's instructions and killing all of these things is not the objectively right thing to do. But the Colossi attack you. Uh, you could argue that a, a wild animal yeah. would attack yeah, you yeah, as y- well. You're the aggressor for sure. Yeah. But like some of them though, just have swords, like clearly prepared to crush you into dirt. Yeah. Uh, so there's like, there's an element of that as well. Like who, whoever is, uh, or whatever controls the Colossi, whether that is a higher being or just their individual instinct, uh, they fucking pick up a big rock and use it as a sword. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and that is like a, it's, it's a human thing and it's also an aggressive thing. And so it adds sort of to the gray mush that is everybody's, uh, motivation. Yeah. Um, just kind of good stuff that I like. 
So what I'm trying to say is maybe it is okay to just murder them. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up mm-hmm. uh, was just Wander's animations. I think is a thing that we talked about on the original episode that I think is actually like a cool detail. Is that like he stumbles all over the place. Uh, he's very ungraceful and clearly like not trained as like a warrior or a knight or anything. He just feels like a regular guy. Yeah. Taking on this like, you know, larger than life uh, task uh, at the ends of the earth. I, I just think that's a really cool detail. Yeah. That he's like clearly like way in over his head and it's like his just that determined to do it anyway. That is, and I know we did talk about this on the original episode, so definitely worth rehashing a bit. Like, I was thinking when I was playing this game, like, how, like, when I play it this time, mm-hmm. the difference between, like, how I perceive Wander then versus now, and now I'm like, they really did a good job of making him feel worthless and bad yeah or vulnerable yeah but also just very resilient and they have sort of co-opted video game language to be like you can take a lot of hits because wander's determination is such that he'll just keep getting back up again but in my head i'm like man if they put wander into super smash brothers he would be <laughs> like a king ddd <laughs> like it was hard to kill could take a lot of damage but very floaty <laughs> they would they would code in the tripping mechanic oh back from brawl <laughs> yeah just for him <laughs> oh yeah that would be excellent uh <laughs> also what's up with his weird candle belt <laughs> What's up with most of his his design? Even the fact that at the end of the game, he turns into a baby with horns mm-hmm. is loaded as fuck yeah. to re- refer back to Eco. Right. Uh and so when they when Wander shows up and he's like got like a he's got like a Marth tiara on. Isn't it just a headband? Yeah, Marth wears a similar sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah. thing. That's just what it makes me think of. The Marth tiara? The Marth a- tiara. AKA a headband. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he's got like the cloak that yeah, has yeah, like, like a that, shawl thing. Yeah, that like symbol on it. And yeah, just a little, you know, just a little candle belt. I just wonder what that's supposed to be. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I want to clarify, I don't think that Wander's design is bad. Yeah. I just think that I feel like there is more to every element of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, I think we brought up on the last one, like, oh, the, he gets stabbed through the sigil. Yeah, the symbol, like the Colossi do. Yeah, but yeah, Someone like... much smarter than me pointed that out on the internet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know that i may have at the time uh but like yeah and that's just like they they it makes you feel like maybe the candle belt whatever it is uh has some other meaning as well Mm. yeah i just always assumed it's based on some kind of actual historical garment worn by some culture (laughs) that i am unaware of yeah and then he gazelle runs everywhere which is pretty great i don't have anything else specific uh if you wanted to hear us talk about some of the major stuff 
in Shadow of the Colossus that we didn't talk about. Yeah, you turn to a Colossus at the end, and it's, like, real hard to hit guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to run away from a vacuum that sucks you into a fountain. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool, and you can't uh, not do it. And if you cheat to not do it, nothing special happens. <laughs> yeah, um, I do think it is interesting that, like, it lets you just try and jump away from it forever. Yeah. Uh, which is the secret. If you're going for the world record, yeah. jumping to a certain distance is mm-hmm. the is the easiest way to stay away from being sucked in. But yeah, it's just one of those <laughs> moments. I don't have much to add to it that hasn't already yeah. been said, but it is an incredibly effective moment. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what it is. Is like Most of the stuff that's like big that we haven't talked about has been talked about uh, by a million people a million times. Exactly. And climb up that big tower. There's fruit that hurts you instead of giving you more health. Wow. <laughs> I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> Do we have forbidden thoughts? Uh, my forbidden thoughts. Um, yeah, so I did not play this game when it originally came out on the PS2. I did not play it until probably, what, 2015 or 16, whenever we did this for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, it, it it's one of those watershed titles that even though I didn't play it at the time, like, once I played it, it somehow felt so familiar, almost as if I had played it when it came out. Um, and it quickly became one of, like, my favorite games um, where, like, I remember just watching, like, a bunch of YouTube videos, like a bunch of Nomad, Colossus, shout out. <laughs> uh videos like and it's a game that really captures your imagination even though i didn't play it till like 2015 16 when i knew there were no secrets to find in the game Mm. i still like felt compelled to like look you know like what people were talking about and speculating about online because it just like makes you curious about it uh it just it's one of those kind of special games i think it's one of the things that immediately comes to mind when I think of the concept of something being greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, On paper, this game might sound cool, but in practice, I think it's just so much better uh, than you would expect. Like it's, it's one of those classic games that I knew by reputation that when I played it, it was as good as I expected it to be. Uh, Warts and all, like I do have some complaints with it. Like some of the controls are awkward the aggro thing doesn't really click with me, but like it, those things don't really matter. Cause like all the things that it does well, it does so well that like, they're still interesting, uh, to this day. Um, I do think though, sadly, I was thinking about it after playing the remake that like time isn't going to be kind to it. Uh, I think a couple console generations from now, the controls will feel so awkward that like, I don't know. Just, that made me a little bit sad uh, that that some of its flaws are just gonna get like a become a bigger uh, issue um, as time goes on. But uh, for the time being, I felt like it held up, uh, and I'm glad that we revisited it. Yeah, I think uh, my, one of my favorite things about this uh, was literally just playing Shadow of the Colossus again. I had a thought in my head that I wouldn't want to replay Shadow of the Colossus when there's so much else going on out there. Uh, But that, as it turns out, is not true. I just like playing this game. 
no matter what. Uh, so I really enjoyed my time coming back to it. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the controls being awkward, potentially becoming an issue in the future, uh, as, as newer generations of players come back to the game. Um, cause it isn't something that I thought about. Um, I, I thought I actually had structured my final thoughts originally around that idea of time as well and how eco is a game that is also held up as a classic. Um, and I'm not saying that it isn't or that eco (laughs) is bad, but with time comes iteration and with iteration improvement and eco was a novel game and a game that did something totally different and still has an unparalleled atmosphere uh especially like take the ps2 as a as a a collection of games by itself eco is among the top one or two shadow of the colossus Mm -hmm. also (laughs) exists uh in terms of just pure uniqueness something about it was different than what was being offered but eco has been stripped away of that uniqueness a bit over time because you can play other games that do similar things with a similar uh sort of vibe shadow is not has not been iterated on in a meaningful way the the game there's a one perspective that says maybe shadow is too perfect to ever be improved upon and i don't necessarily think that that is true uh, but I do think that there's something unique about Shadow of the Colossus that we have culturally moved past the ability to iterate on it. An open world game has to have more stuff in it than this game does. A boss rush game has to be more action oriented or have a persistent reward system to keep the player coming back. Shadow of the Colossus is okay being a four hour game that you just play through and have a good time and win uh, and contemplate its themes and live in its world for a little bit. So I really like Shadow of the Colossus. I think I like it more even now than I did when I played it back then. Uh, and I'm glad to have played it again. And uh, I mean, honestly, I love that it holds up, but I would, I would love to see someone attempt to do Shadow of the Colossus again in a way that is more true to the game itself uh, and see just to see if that is even possible. Uh, There you go. Thank you for listening to No Clip Epilogue this quarter. What are we talking about next time? Uh, (laughs) uh, Next time, we are going to be doing a more traditional pocket episode uh, that is a, a big fuck us. Uh, <laughs> so we started a new month. Uh, we're, I'm not gonna make the same jokes over and over again. Uh, we stopped doing Mystery May. We started doing Mystery May. Haha, <laughs> I called it the same thing. Uh, I had a table that we rolled on uh, to determine what we were gonna do. It's made up of games that we had had on our list for a long time and wanted to just sort of like let the dice decide because we never seem to pick them for some reason. Uh, and we rolled it and we rolled a critical miss and I'm just going to go ahead and splice that audio in right here. Boop. All right, here we go. Rolling the die. Well, it's a critical miss. 
Man, that feels like... I mean, it's a 5% <laughs> chance of that actually happening. Uh, uh, now I need a D4. Yeah, you. we do need a D4. Okay, so... We're back from getting a D4, which is now necessary because we rolled a critical failure. Uh, so I will tell you what's at stake here. All right. Uh, <laughs> our options for, on a critical fail uh, are going to now be chosen by a separate die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on a one, mm-hmm. we're going to do an ape game. We didn't do April this year, mm-hmm. but I guess... <laughs> we have a couple in the chamber. <laughs> There's a possibility that we'll have to do an ape game for Mystery Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have to do a, an epilogue episode on Rascal is on a two. Uh, so we'll have to replay <laughs> Rascal, the notoriously worst game that we've talked about. Uh, on a three, we're going to talk about Roblox, <laughs> a game that I know very little about other than uh, children love it. I really hope it's not that one. Same. Uh, and then for number four, if we get a four, if we get a one and a four, mm-hmm. I'm going to be incredibly confused. Okay. Uh, because we're going to talk about, we're going to do an episode on Forspoken. <laughs> Uh, but while eating spicy peppers. <laughs> All right, here it goes. A two. Uh, so we're going to do an epilogue on Rascal <laughs> next time. <laughs> I don't know if we could... You know, uh, I think it hit, like, the two worst things. <laughs> That could have happened, happened just on the, now. On the very first roll of Mystery May, yep, so historically. I, yep. Boop. Uh, so, yeah. Next time on No Clip Pocket, we are going to be doing an, another epilogue uh, <laughs> on Rascal. Uh, Everybody's favorite. Yeah. The PS1 classic. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's a Jim Henson game. He, <laughs> he he had a big part in it, I think. Uh, I hope he died before <laughs> Rask or the Jim Henson company designed the <laughs> characters for oh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't actually know the timeline there. Yeah. That's something some to look forward to. We'll do our research yeah. on that one fact. Uh, and then we will talk about Rascal for half an hour. Uh, so get ready, get very prepared as we revisit our least favorite game that we've ever played for the podcast. That's not Space Station Silicon Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. See, we got to unpack this. Yeah. Uh, Until that time... You can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our email or Twitter account, uh, the Discord server you can suggest games for us to play, maybe even suggest an epilogue you'd like to see us do. Uh, and you can find links to our uh, YouTube channel, uh, iTunes, and Google Podcasts where you can listen to all of our old episodes, including ones on Shadow of the Colossus, uh, if you just wanted a refresher on how we thought <laughs> about it seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on... Man, after that Final Thoughts I gave, <laughs> I can't be calling out too many things that are like Shadow Clauses. We did do uh, Last Guardian. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't know. Dark Souls. Landmark games. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, like the 
the uh, like sparse storytelling that people like to speculate about sort of angle. Elden Ring has a horse. That's true. Yep. Horse that, that <laughs> in the comment section. Don't get horse from talking too much in the comment <laughs> section. It's fucking smash that like button. Fucking stab that like yeah, button. Leap onto the subscribe button and <laughs> climb up its titanic back to its head and smash it. <laughs> in the Hell sigil. Yeah. Well, there's 16 going on 17. Uh huh. And um, there's the good night song. Yeah, so, so long, long farewell. farewell. And then probably yo um the doe do deer being... female deer song. Yeah. yeah, those are those are the top three. Those are those are probably. All right, remember to like subscribe. Those were our top three <laughs> songs. Sound of music from songs. Sound of music. <laughs>